Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. If this is your first time, if you're a guest, we are so, so happy that you're here. God bless you. Welcome to you. Open your Bibles to Judges chapter 6, Old Testament, the book of Judges. I have been preaching with a group of pastors in Lexington this week. It was a good week, but being away always just makes me ready to come home and be back with you all, to preach with you all. This is my favorite place. Um, Judges chapter 6. We're going to finish the message series today entitled Sign from God. We've been talking about what it means to hear God's voice, how you can be sure that it is God's voice that you're hearing. And I know that some of us really, really struggle with this particular part of our Christian life. And, and I want us to get past this struggle. I feel like as believers, this is the central nerve, being able to hear God's voice and feel confident that God is leading you and that you are following his will. That just seems to me to be the most basic level of Christian discipleship. And I want you to feel good about your relationship with the Lord in this way. And that's why we have spent this time and will continue to do so throughout the throughout coming days. I want our congregation to be hearing God's voice and following God's voice. The, the truth of the matter is your very life is meant to be this ongoing conversational relationship with God. It, it's not supposed to be um, an out-of-the-ordinary experience when you hear God speaking to you. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's necessarily every day either, but at the same time, every day in an ongoing way, you should be in this conversational relationship. You should be walking and talking with him. God wants to speak to you. You are not too unimportant for God to speak to you. You are not too dumb to, to hear his voice and, and, and understand what he's saying to you. Uh, this is supposed to be, and this is what God intends for your life. He wants you to hear his voice. Now, at the very same time, you and I are not perfect, and we will always be walking by faith. You'll never take faith out of this equation. And that means there's always room for risk. Anytime we feel like God is asking us to do something, there's always a, a little bit of risk involved, maybe just a little bit of uncertainty because faith is just a different way of being in the world. It's a different way of knowing. It's a different way of proceeding. You'll never take faith out of this. You're just not perfect and I'm not perfect and, and my heart isn't perfect and my ears aren't perfect and I don't know that I'll always hear God perfectly. So there's some room here here for mistakes to be made on, on my part. My parents were having trouble with telemarketers calling their house, and so um, they got themselves put on that do not call list, or, or that, that was my dad's plan. Uh, so he was on the do not call list, but then all day long, telemarketers are just wearing them out, you know, for aluminum siding. They live in a brick house, aluminum siding, trying to sell them vinyl siding and trying to do a survey. And, and my dad just got fed up with it. So the phone rang and finally he just, you know, mama's going to answer. He said, let me have it. So dad grabbed the phone and he answered. And he said, listen, we are on a do not call list. I want you to stop calling us now. No more calls. If you call us one more time, I will report. Now, my dad, it is hard to get him to this. Y'all know Don Harris. It is hard to get dad to this place. But my dad was at this place. If you call one more time, I will report you. I'm on a do not call list. That means do not call. And then my dad hears the voice of Faye Lawrence on the other end of the phone. And, and Faye says, Okay, Brother Don, whatever you want. <laughs> it was Faye. Oh, my goodness. Faye, I'm so sorry. My daddy was ugly talking to you like that. Yeah. 
do not call us. We're just not perfect. And hearing God's voice and understanding whose voice we're hearing, it really is just something of a struggle for us. And I'm not saying you'll never be past that struggle, but I'm just telling you that this conversational, ongoing relationship with God, this is where you want to live. This is the way that we're supposed to live. This is the relationship that Jesus wants for you. So let's go to Judges chapter 6 and take a look at one more story and talk about what this means. This is a man named Gideon at the very front end of his life. Gideon is going to be known in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, as one of the heroes of faith, one of the champions of faith. But everybody has to start somewhere. And this is Gideon's start, Judges chapter 6. I'm going to pick up his story in about verse 34. So start with me there and we'll read together. Judges chapter 6, verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abiezer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you had promised. And, And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. You get the picture. Now, as I said, we're picking up Gideon's story in a particular place. And if you've ever read the story, it's pretty amazing. Gideon is already at this moment the recipient of more visible, miraculous signs from God than most of us would ever see in our lives. His story begins with a visitation from an angel. An angel. A messenger from God. Gideon sees a messenger from God, and that's how his story begins. So everything begins with that. Now, you and I will spend our whole lives and probably not get that, but Gideon gets an angel, and this is where it begins. Now, in the context of talking to an angel, Gideon asks the angel to prove he's an angel. I mean, read the story. So Gideon, you know, I just see a little bit of proof that you're really a messenger from God. And so Gideon brings the angel uh, an offering, a, a meal there, some food. And the angel causes fire to come up from a rock and consume the offering. Okay, so you've got an angel and he's got fire. But Gideon is just the guy that he just needs a lot. He needs a lot of reassurance. He needs a lot of tests. So, so God makes this amazing promise to use him as, as an amazing warrior, a, a mighty warrior. And the Holy Spirit's already come upon him. 
And now Gideon's already sounded the horn for battle and, and the Holy Spirit is just drawing men to come and follow him. I mean, everything God has promised is happening. You can see it with your eyes. You can feel it in your bones. God has made promises to Gideon and God has kept every single promise and now it's go time. It's time to go to battle and the armies have come to him and the Holy Spirit has come upon him and it is time to go except Gideon won't go. Like this is the moment where we pick up in the story where he says to God, if you're really gonna use me, I mean, seriously, are we having this conversation right now? The armies are drawn for battle. Are we gonna stop now? Apparently, Gideon pushes pause and says, now God, if it's really you and if it's really me that you're gonna use and if you really want me to go to battle, then then prove it, prove it to me. I, I need a sign. So Gideon comes up with this sign. You all know how dew works, right? How, and, and during the night, dew will sort of fall or suddenly condense on the ground. So in the morning and the summer, all of the grass will be wet from, from the dew. So Gideon's kind of in the desert, which makes it interesting, but Gideon, he decides to get God to do this, this dew trick. So he has this, this wool, you know, sheepskin, the sheepskin rug. He says, I'm gonna lay this rug out in the yard and in the morning, I want you to let dew fall just on the rug. I want all the ground around it dry, but I want you to let the dew fall just on the rug and, and that'll be my sign. That'll prove to me that you really want me to go to battle. And so God does it. I mean, God does exactly what Gideon asked. God allows the dew to fall in one little perfect square on his sheepskin rug. Like the dew falls there and everything around is just bone dry. I mean, it's a miracle. It's the very miracle that Gideon asked for. I mean, exactly what he asked for. I mean, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for that confirmation. Now I can go to battle. But that's not how Gideon rolls. He says, wow. That is exactly what I asked for. Could we do this one more time? But this time, now tomorrow, I'm gonna put the same rug out on the same ground, but tomorrow, I want you to let the dew fall on the whole ground, like all over Warren County, but I want my rug to be the only dry thing around. So he reversed it. And God does that. Like sign after sign after sign after sign after sign, finally Gideon gets going. Is that how this works? This hearing from God, is, is that how it works? Because I know some of us are thinking Gideon is my man. That's my guy. That's my guy. Because this is, this is kind of how we are. We need confidence in order to step out. And for us, our confidence comes from certainty. We need to be sure. We want to be sure. And we consider it God's responsibility to, to give us certainty. Our confidence comes from certainty. 
And so we want signs from God. We get this idea that God is speaking. We, we feel the nudge, the, the, the door of opportunity opens. We talked about all the different ways that God can speak to us. And we see or hear or recognize his voice or we think we're recognizing his voice. But we want certainty. God, I just need to know. I want to know that, that you're asking me to do this. I, I want to know for sure that it's you. I want to know for sure that I understand my next step. Our confidence comes from certainty. And so that is why very often we find ourselves fleecing out our prayers you're putting out a fleece, as the Christians used to say, the church folks used to say. We put out a fleece. Your grandparents used to talk like that in this very context. When you needed to know something for sure from God, you put out a fleece. It's an idea. You, you sort of put God to the test. You, you lay something out. If this happens, then I know. Uh, old folks just call it putting out a fleece. And you've done this, perhaps. In college, you said, if... That tall, red-haired girl sits by me in meteorology class, and I know you want me to marry her. You know, we put out fleeces. We devise these sort of proofs, these tests. It's sort of an if-then. If this happens, then I know, then I'll recognize, then I'll go, then I'll give. But in all of these contexts, it's this idea that we ask for a sign and then, then God, therefore, will oblige us with the sign that we've asked for, and then we have the certainty that we need. Is that how it works? Now, it's how it works for Gideon in Judges chapter 6. But my question is, is that our example? Is Gideon our example? And I guess... I guess I would say no. Now, I know that for some of you that, 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 that kind of worries you or you feel a little bit insulted because we all just agreed that when we read Judges chapter 6, we think, man, Gideon's my guy. You know, and most of us can give a testimony of a time in our life when we needed a sign from God and God gave us the sign we needed. And I can give the same testimonies. God has confirmed his will in my life throughout the years by giving me just, I would call them signs. A sign from God. So there's a very true sense in which this is a part of our experience in walking and talking with the Lord. But, but in what way or to what degree is Gideon our example? I'll just remind you that, as I said later in the New Testament, Gideon does become a champion of faith. He's one of the heroes in the you know, great hall of fame of faith and Hebrews chapter 11, but, but he's not a hero yet, and he's not a hero for this. You, you should probably understand that. Uh, he becomes a hero because of what he does when, when finally he steps out in faith and goes to battle for the Lord, but, but, but not here, not yet. Gideon is the son of, a, of an outright pagan. You remember that? I mean, his father was an outright pagan. It is the book of Judges, which means this is kind of the Wild West in the Old Testament. I mean, the book of Judges continues to say everybody just did what was right in their own eyes. I mean, the, the, the book of Judges has very, very few actual examples for us to follow. It's, it's, it, it's not in any way the brightest shining moment in the history of the people of God. Um, 
The other thing I would say is just remind you what Paul says in, in the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So often in our lives with the Lord, we want to walk by sight. As I said, one of our issues is, is that our confidence often comes from certainty. You understand? We want to be sure. We want to walk not by faith, but by certainty. We want to see things. We want to see signs. We want God to pave the way for us in such a way where there's no risk involved, where, where we can be sure, where, where we recognize that we're going to step out and there's no way we could be embarrassed or in any other way uh, mistaken. But, but, but I want you just to understand that Hearing God's voice means to walk in faith, not to walk in certainty. They're not exactly the same thing. Hearing God's voice means to walk in faith. So often in our desire to hear God's voice, and, and again, that's a beautiful desire, and I do believe that the desire to please God is very, very pleasing to God. And I do believe that that desire to, to hear his voice and to follow his way, I, I do believe that is a very beautiful thing and a pleasing thing for the Lord. But I don't think that you and I should try to remove faith from the equation. We must trust him. We have to trust him. And he is fully and completely able to speak to us. Trust him in that. Trust his ability to speak. I don't have a lot of confidence in my ability to hear. I am not very good at hearing his voice. I'm not very good at discerning him. But he is very, very good at speaking to me. He knows that I am mostly blind and deaf when it comes to spiritual things. God knows how to get my attention, and God knows how to speak to you. He will speak to you. Trust him. Trust him. But don't ever expect that, that, that it's going to be the kind of certainty that will remove all doubt. You will still have to take a leap of faith. You will still have to step out, not completely knowing, but completely trusting. You know what I'm saying? Do you understand the difference? You, you, you just trust him. You, you just trust him. So let's talk a little bit more about this. How exactly does it work? Well, as I said, I mentioned that Gideon is very, very immature in his faith. This is a very, very early stage in his life of following after God. And so this is what I would want you to understand. God will give you what you need to grow your faith. It's all about growing your faith. The scripture says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So everything that happens in your life, every circumstance, every situation is, is tailor-made to grow your faith, to stretch your faith out. So you're never ever going to get to a place where you walk with more and more certainty. As you continue to walk with the Lord, you're going to continue to walk with more and more faith. More and more faith. And God will always give you what you need to grow in faith. So Gideon is very, very new at hearing from God and following God. And in this early stage of his life, in this early stage of God's using him, Gideon gets a lot of signs. He must need those signs in order to have the faith that he will need to do what God is asking him to do. God recognizes that this is what Gideon needs. And so God gives Gideon what Gideon needs to grow his faith. But in the later stages of Gideon's life, later on when Gideon is following the Lord, he won't need that same kind of, of constant reassurance. The longer you walk with the Lord, you can look back and you can see that the Lord was always faithful. You know that God always keeps his promises. 
and you just learn to trust him. Your faith grows and you just don't need the same kind of, you know, constant reassurance, constant hand-holding. You just don't need that as you grow in faith. You begin to trust him more and more and deeper and deeper. So a lot of us can talk about, you know, earlier in our lives when the Lord did some extraordinary things to build our faith. But I'm just saying, as you continue to grow in your faith, I'm not sure it's wise to continue to rely and insist and and require that the Lord continue to prove himself over and over and over. At some point, he's proven himself to you. Has he not always been good? Has he not always been faithful? Have you ever stepped out in the direction that he led you and he led you off a cliff? Has he ever led you off a cliff? You understand, you don't need to constantly require God to prove himself to you when he has proved himself over and over and over. God will give you what you need to grow your faith, but the point is, let your faith grow. Let your faith grow. The next thing I would say, this is now getting kind of testimonial. Don't confuse needing to be sure with wanting to stall. This is where Casey has my my number right here because I'll do this thing. I'll say, Casey, will you pray with me? Because I think maybe God wants me to do do this thing. I'm just not sure. So will you pray with me that I'll be sure? And Casey used to fall for that early on. But now Casey's at the point where she'd say, okay, I, I will pray. But before I do, do you know? Do you already know what he wants you to do? Because if you already know, then I don't know why I need to pray. Yeah, she's good like that. Because she knows me. She knows me. Now, why is it that I would sometimes act like I'm just needing to be sure, but actually I'm wanting to stall? Why would I ever want to stall? Because once you know, I mean, once you know what God wants you to do, what do you got to do? You got to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I do this thing, and maybe it's just me, and if it's just me, everybody pray for me. But, but, but this is what I do. I will just, you know, you know, just say, you know, I don't know what God wants me to do. Oh, God, please show me, you know, the way. But I know. I, I know. But as soon as I admit that I know what God wants me to do, then I'm responsible to obey. Then I have to do it. So it's easier to walk around and go, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's like I, I act like I'm walking around in the fog, but I'm not in the fog. It is completely clear what God wants me to do. It's just I want to fog it up. I want to make it complicated. I want to act like it's just not clear. I'm just not sure. And Casey says, do you know? Do you know? So I would just say say this. Very often when when people have said to me, Pastor Tim, I don't don't know that I hear God's voice. I'm sure that sometimes it's difficult to know, but I also know that, that every single one of us, we know enough of what God wants to do to keep us busy all day long and all of tomorrow and every other day until Jesus takes us home. He's told us enough. There is so much that is clear that I think the whole walking around in the fog business, sometimes I think we're just sort of confusing, needing to be sure, we're just wanting to stall. It's not that I'm not sure I hear from God. It's just that I don't honestly want to obey him. 
If I hear his voice, then honestly, he's always, you know, trying to take command of my life because he is Lord of all, you understand. And so when you begin to hear his voice, you recognize it's a voice to command you. You're going to hear his voice and and you're going to understand what it is he wants you to do. But I'm telling you, that's when that desire to just stall this thing, push pause. And I think that's what Gideon does. You know, I mean, it's time for battle. It's go time. But Gideon's like, "Mm, one more sign, one more sign. God continues to oblige that. I think he's growing his faith. But something shows me Gideon's also just getting one more good night's sleep. Putting it off one more day. Trust him. To trust him. And if he's asking you to do it, step out and and do it. I, I don't really think that we always need one more sign. I think what we need is to step out in faith and obedience. While I'm on it, I'll tell y'all something else I do. Um, Sometimes I think I use uh, like needing a sign for just wanting to sweeten the deal. Like years ago when Casey and I were were struggling with the decision to, to leave Woodburn and go to seminary, and that was hard. It was a hard decision for us, hard for me. In my whole life, I'd never really seen a pastor leave a church on good terms. I'd never seen a staff. I was youth and music minister here. I'd never seen, like, I just thought that in all the churches I grew up in, like when a staff member left, it was ugly. You know, like, like somebody's burning the church down and changing the locks and, you know, running people out of town and, and all of that. I didn't know that you could just love a place and love a people and, and love everything with your whole heart and God still say, I want you to go. So that was really hard for us. I mean, you understand how the story plays out. God had given me a pastor's heart for Woodburn years and years and years and years ago and I didn't understand that. I didn't understand how with the kids in my youth group, I could already see myself like doing their weddings, but I'm thinking, I'm not gonna be here. You know, I, I could see myself dedicating their babies and at the same time, understanding that that God had something else. And so we were struggling with this decision to leave, even though I just had this amazing pastor's heart for Woodburn. Um, So before we told any of you, we were struggling with this decision about going. Uh, So Casey and I fleeced out our prayer. You know what I mean? We put out a fleece and we said, God, if you really want us to go, then give us a ground floor apartment with a washer dryer hookup on campus. That was our sign. Ground floor apartment with a washer dryer hookup, and that was our fleece. <laughs> we got our letter. We were on the third floor uh, with, with no, I mean, we walked like for a year and a half. We did all of our laundry in the next, we, we walked it across campus. Um, but we went. We went. Why do we go? Because honestly, that whole ground floor apartment with the washer dryer hookup, you know, and a new car, you know, none of that was actually necessary. Now, I don't know if we could have stated with utter certainty, but honestly, at the very bottom part of our heart, we knew exactly what God wanted us to do. We just knew. We knew we were going. 
We knew that that was God's plan. We knew it was hard. We knew that obedience for that was was sort of a rip your heart out kind of thing. But honestly, we didn't need a ground floor apartment uh, and a washer dryer hookup to follow God's will. We didn't. That was us trying to sweeten the deal. That was us just trying to to sort of manipulate God. And and I want to caution you on that. I want to caution myself. Because I think there really is a place where we're asking God for a sign really starts becoming trying to manipulate him. Trying to get things out of God that, that, that you want. It's like the lady that said that she prayed that if God wanted her to stop at Krispy Kreme Donuts and get donuts, then let that red light come on when she goes down Campbell Lane. And then after the 13th time around the building, the light came on. And then she knew. You know, we do that. We do that. We use the sign from God thing as just a way of of rationalizing or justifying or, or thinking that we'll get what we want from God. And it really doesn't work that way. Do, do you remember when the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness? And in one of the, I think it's the second temptation, Jesus comes back with a quote for the devil. And what does he say? Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. I, I think there is a, I, I think there's a line we cross where we're really not asking for a sign. We're putting the Lord to the test. We're sort of demanding that he proves something to us, that he's the Lord God. And, and honestly, he doesn't have to jump through hoops for us. So I would just say very, very simply, don't test him, trust him. Don't test him, trust him. Just trust him. Don't test him. I think this tendency that we have to want to just create these elaborate proofs for God. You know, the, you know, if you want me to walk the aisle, let Pastor Tim stand on one foot and hop three times, you know, and then I'll know. You know, we just sort of, we, we create these impossible, elaborate magic tricks for God to work so that our faith becomes sight, so that we can see, so that we can have certainty, so we can have proof. But the problem is, if your faith requires that kind of proving, I'm not sure you'll ever have enough signs. I'm not sure there'll ever be enough proof because you have to walk by faith. You can never try to take the faith out of this. So don't test him, trust him. Okay, so let me, in just a few minutes, let me just stop and just put it, uh, um, let me just be real practical with you. Um, It's still hard. It's still hard. And God knows that it's hard. And so, In order that we not offend God or cross that line into testing him, which I do think is forbidden, what do we do? Because sometimes I am willing to obey. I just really don't know. I don't know yet. And I really do want to know. And I think that's your heart too. I think you really do just want to know, but you don't always know. God understands that. And God wants to speak to you, and, and God wants you to have everything that you need to know for faith and obedience. So, uh, so, so what do we do? I, I, I think what I would say here is that instead of asking for a sign or asking for proof, I think we can ask for confirmation. Now, when I say confirmation, what, what I mean is 
asking God to confirm what he's saying, but just to confirm it in all of the ordinary ways he speaks to us. In other words, God shouldn't have to, you know, light something on fire for you or, you know, create some kind of miracle for you. I mean, again, maybe early on in your life of faith, maybe that's necessary, but, but most of us, we've been walking with the Lord a long time. He doesn't have to prove himself to us. Can I get an amen? amen. He doesn't have to prove himself to you. You know who he is. You know he is God, and, and you know that you want to follow him. He doesn't have to prove anything to you, but sometimes you just want confirmation. And God will confirm. He will give you clarity. You understand? Not certainty, but, but clarity. He will make it clear to you what it is that he's asking you to do. That's not going to remove risk. It's not going to remove the, the, the space in, in which you might still mess things up. But, but, but you just trust that God is bigger than your ability to mess things up. You just trust that God's desire and his intention to bless your life in this way is much, much greater than your tendency to get off the path. God is able to guide you. God is able to sustain you. You just trust him. But you can ask for three-part confirmation. Three-part is, is, is what I want to say. Uh, this is real common. I didn't make this up. This is typically what folks say. You ask for confirmation in the ways that God normally speaks, in the ways that he's normally speaking to you. So, so the first of those ways I would say is, is simply the word. You, you be in the word. You be in scripture, and, and you listen for his voice there. And if God is leading you in a certain direction, or if you're coming to God with a particular question, God will begin to answer you in his word. But you have to be in the word. You have to continue to come back and listen, and I would say on a daily basis. It doesn't work when you get to a place and you have a question, you haven't read your Bible since Bible school in the third grade, and so you run and you, you pull the Bible out, and, and, and your, your Doberman pincher, you know, uh, got hit by a car, and you're wondering if he's going to live or die, and so you're asking God, is my dog going to live or die? And so you go to the back of the Bible and the concordance, and you're under D looking for Doberman pincher, Doberman pincher, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, it doesn't work that way. You live your life in the word. You become more and more comfortable and familiar with God's speaking voice in his word. And that doesn't happen overnight. This is why you continue to come back to the discipline of reading God's word. But Because it's not a dead book. It's a living book. And you will encounter God's speaking voice there. You just read. And whenever the Bible tells you to do something, then that's clear enough. You do that. But you just listen to the word, and the word will begin to confirm what, what, what God is saying. But again, sometimes we continue to seek more clarity, and I would say this. You look for three-part confirmation. First, the word, and then circumstances. If God is leading you to make a change, if God is leading you for a job change, or if God has anything else that he's trying to, to lead you toward, he'll confirm it in his word. You'll begin to hear that in your time in the word, but then you'll begin to perhaps see that in the circumstances around you, sometimes the circumstances within you. I, I would play that both ways. There are outward circumstances, the doors that begin to open or the doors that begin to close, the, the opportunities that, that just arise that, that are rarely in front of you in, in this way, just the circumstances, the relationships that, that seem to shift. Uh, God will begin to work through circumstances, and, and you can see that. And if he's also telling you the same thing in his word, then you begin to know exactly what he's saying to you. Now, I would also, with circumstances, I would include 
inward circumstances. Again, these are the uh, uh, just the the nudges from the spirit that that sense of conviction or that that sense of burden. That, that broken heart that you suddenly have for this particular need or this particular person or this ministry, sometimes it's, it's a sense of release from. In other words, you've been very, very devoted to something for a long, long time, and then, and then you reach a season where you just feel that God releases you from that. Or, or sometimes instead of being released from, you're called to something all of a sudden you lay awake at night just dreaming of this ministry or, or this opportunity or this new direction in your life and you just continue to, you just can't get it off your mind. The Lord just continues to draw and draw. Yeah, understand? This is how he speaks. And, and while I, I'm not necessarily encouraging you to ask for the miraculous sign, just seek God's clarity through this confirmation. He'll speak to you in the word. He'll speak through circumstances. And then he will always speak through other people. He'll speak through other people. Now, this one's tricky because there are a whole lot of people in the world. And, and, and if you kind of want to, you know, you know, grease the skids a little bit, you can always go to the people that you know that will tell you what you want to hear. But what I think is amazing about God in, in, in this kind of process is that God will almost always end up confirming it through the voice of somebody that wouldn't know. And I love that. Like God will let somebody speak the word that you need to hear and they don't know what you're dealing with. They don't know what you're asking. They don't know what they just said and how that word went straight to your heart. But, but God will confirm. You understand the difference between, between asking for confirmation and demanding a sign? Because I think this is how a mature disciple comes to know God's voice. I don't have to wait for lightning to strike, although God is fully capable of lighting me up with lightning if he needs to. He's fully capable. And I'm not saying he would never do this. I'm just simply saying in your life of following after Jesus, you're going to grow in faith. And there's going to come a place where you'll just be very familiar with his voice. And it's not so much that you need certainty, but you'll want clarity. And God will confirm what he's saying to you with, with clarity. Ask for three-part confirmation. Ask for God to confirm what you think you're hearing in the word and then just stay in the word. Keep going back to the word. He'll confirm it in his word. Pay attention to everything around you and within you. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit's unction, the Holy Spirit's work in your life, the sense of being called to or released from. Pay attention to all those nudges. Watch for open doors. Listen to your dreams. And then uh, other people, God will confirm it through people. You'll always send somebody along the way who'll just say the word and you'll know that was a word from God. It's uh, not complicated. You don't have to devise some elaborate, extravagant stunt for God to pull so you can know for sure. It's not about knowing for sure. Certainty's not what we're going for here. It's about faith. It's about knowing him and loving him and delighting to do his will and walking and talking with him. Because your life is intended to be this ongoing relational conversation with God. He talks, you listen. You talk, he listens. It's a beautiful thing. Along the way, he will guide you. He will speak to you. He will convict you of your sin. 
He will remind you that you belong to him, that you are loved and forgiven. He will surround you with his grace, his mercy, his power, his strength. The Holy Spirit will come upon you to do the jobs he wants you to do. It is the most amazing, abundant life imaginable. You will walk and you will talk with him. But I remind you, you'll always be walking by faith. Always faith. But in this life of faith, he speaks to you. He will speak to you, and you will hear his voice. Of that you can be sure. Pray with me.